Welcome to Short Course, episode 105, for June 16th, 2023. I'm your host, Ben Barry. It is two weeks, tomorrow will be two weeks from uh, our baby's due date, and he has not yet come, so uh, things have been interesting around our house. I actually took last week off from the show because I didn't have a topic ready. I didn't expect to have to talk to anything, but this week... Voting started, and so I figured I should hop on the podcast and talk about a few things. The first thing I wanted to address is the the nature of the the Area Six election and how elections, how USPSA bylaws dictate that, that elections should run more generally. So I've talked about this before, but I want to reiterate it for for this specific purpose. So the the bylaws state that you can have as many people as you want in an initial election, and if no one person gets 50% of the vote, then the top two vote getters go to a runoff. So in the case of the Area 6 election, that actually makes things pretty straightforward. No matter how things go, if no one of the three of us, myself, Kyle Stevens, or Matt Hopkins, if no one of the three of us gets 50% of the vote, then the top two will go into a runoff. And so basically you can vote for whoever you want in the first round, and if whoever you voted for doesn't make it into the runoff, then you can vote for someone else in the second round. And this is this is really the best case scenario for this format of runoff voting. And I would say it's really the only scenario that doesn't lead to bad outcomes in the sense that if there were a fourth person in the election, so let's say Bruce Wells had decided to run for re-election, there would have been a significant chance that Matt Hopkins and I could have split the group of people who, on average, are likely to vote for one of the two of us, because I think in the general spectrum of things, he and I are fairly closely aligned. And so there would actually be a a non-zero chance that by splitting that vote, neither of us would make it to the runoff. And in this hypothetical scenario, Bruce and Kyle would have ended up in the runoff. And I actually, you know, I thought through that and I, I am glad that we didn't have to figure out how to handle that. Um, I think basically if that had happened, one of us, Matt or I would have, should have dropped out. Um, luckily it didn't happen. And so things work out just fine. There's no sort of game theory at play there. Now, I've said before, and I'll say it again, one simple fix for this would just be to go to ranked choice voting, which I think honestly would probably be healthier for the sport in a lot of ways. Like I said, voting opened today, and I think people are good-naturedly trying to say who to vote for, saying who they voted for, but there is a sort of divisiveness of, you know, hey, I voted for this guy, you voted for that guy, can we still be friends? I mean, obviously, it's a bit of a caricature. I hope nobody really loses any any uh, any sleep over this. But there is an element of, hey, these, these two candidates are both good candidates. I'm just going to rank them one and two, and you might rank them in the opposite order, but they're still both the top of our list. And I mean, for those of you not aware, ranked choice voting... Um, well, ranked choice voting is actually a big umbrella that covers a number of options, including instant runoff voting. But basically the idea is you have a list of candidates and you just number them. You say, this is my first choice. This is my second choice. This is my third choice. And you don't have to give everybody a number. You can, you can leave some people blank. And the short version of, of how it's run is that if your first choice is the least popular candidate after all the first round votes are tallied, then that candidate is eliminated and your vote then goes to your second choice. And this just keeps going until somebody has 50% of the vote. And it basically removes all kinds of downsides and and weird outcomes for election and strategic voting and, and that sort of thing. 
which I mean is is real. I mean, there's a seven way presidential election, and to some degree, in a secret ballot vote, you are encouraged to vote strategically. And if there is somebody that you are worried is going to be on the bubble who might not make the runoff, but you want to vote for some dark horse outsider candidate, then you basically have to choose. Do you want to vote for the person who you think has a chance of making the runoff, or do you want to vote for the person that you really think would be the best choice? And so in a, in a ranked choice voting setup, you would just you know make the dark horse outsider your number one, and then if they got eliminated, then your vote would go to the number two. Because we don't have that and we have a seven-way presidential election, which really, like I said, this this runoff system is really only meant it really only works well. It really doesn't have it only doesn't have downsides with three people in the in the election. So that's uh, regrettable. But the bylaws stipulate that this is how the election has to be run, that it's it's this runoff format and ranked choice voting is is not an option. The board could not choose it. They would have to amend the bylaws, which I would be on board with. Uh, no pun intended. I think that would be a good positive change in the future and, and just generally encourage people, A, to to run more because outsider candidates would have a little bit more of a chance. Uh, and also, I think it would just it would make the voting process somewhat less divisive. So I don't really see a downside to it aside from the complexity, which is always kind of a startup cost type of thing. Uh, so you'd have to have the explanations and whatnot for people for the first time through. But anyway, the whole reason I bring this up is Area 6, because it's a three-way election, the way the runoff is structured, you can vote for whoever you want, and if that person is eliminated, then you can get a second vote in the in the, in the the runoff. So no worries there. Uh, yeah, vote vote for whoever your, your first pick is, and then you'll get a second chance at the runoff. And according to the bylaws, the timeline is something like this. It basically, the bylaws talk about a lot of 15 and 30 days, but then there's one that's 31 days, but the general idea is the the election will run until the middle of July, and then it'll be 15 days after the election ends that the results are delivered, so that'll basically be the end of July. Then 15 days after that, the so the middle of August, the election firm is notified that we will need a runoff if, so Area 6 might have a runoff, probably will have a runoff. The president definitely will have a runoff. So August 15th, middle of August-ish, the firm will be notified. Then they have 30 days to prepare. So the actual voting for the runoff will begin middle of September. Again, from my reading of the bylaws, it will run for another month. So middle of October, the voting will end. And then there's another 15-day period for the election firm to tabulate the results and deliver them. So end of October is when we should get the results. There's a little bit of leeway, maybe, with the board being able to move some of those dates up a little bit, but uh, probably not. Either way, my it'll be one combined runoff for the area election and the president, which is only relevant to people in area six because area eight is a two-way election. So there will be no runoff there, but I just wanted to kind of get that on people's radar that almost certainly area six will be run going to a runoff. There definitely will be a runoff if for nothing else than the president. So keep your eyes peeled around the middle of September for that second ballot, which at that point will just be two candidates for either one or two elections. And while we are on the topic of runoffs and bylaws weirdness, the current state is that Yimin Lin, his discipline was upheld, and so the board put out a statement saying that this was a resignation when he was, you know, forcefully resigned. He was he was resigned by default, but they 
calling it a resignation sounds better. So that's that's what they're labeling it. But it was I mean, it was a pretty long statement, but basically buried in it. It said they had given him some terms. And if he had accepted the terms, he would not have lost his RO cert. But presumably the terms were intolerable for whatever reason. And he declined that and his RO cert was taken away. In the minutes for the May 31st, 2023 meeting, which is where this was all hashed out, there are two votes that that relate to this. The first one is the motion to uphold the level four discipline, removing Yeeman Lin's range officer certification. And this one was, so Bruce, Bruce Gary, area one, was absent with notice. Ted Murphy abstained because he has a conflict of interest, because the outcome will make him president or not. And of everybody else, there were five yes votes, including Scott Arnberg, which I haven't talked to Scott. I don't know what his justification behind it was. I'm guessing, so this vote was taken at 1130 at night, I'm guessing, and this was at the end of, I think, the third meeting on this topic, I'm guessing it was probably a, we're not going to, there's no way to salvage this, let's just vote it and get it over with. And so he, he voted yes just to move on, I'm guessing. So he voted yes, Frank Rizzi, Area 7, voted no, so it ended up being 5 to 1, yes, the motion passed. But then immediately after that, Scott Arnberg made a motion to amend the time period in the previous motion to allow Yi Min Lin to petition the board of directors prior to December 31st, 2023 for possible reinstatement of his range officer certification on December 31st, 2023. So, and again, Scott made this motion. So he voted yes on the previous one, but then he makes this motion. Everybody votes yes for this, except weirdly Bruce Wells. I guess Bruce Wells did not want him to even have the chance to be reinstated. Do with that what you will. But Basically, the, the way I read these minutes are Scott and the rest of the board, they were deadlocked. They they couldn't get a way out. And so they just said, OK, we're going to suspend your certification. But my understanding is if Yimin were to win, he could apply to the board and ask to be reinstated on January or on December 31st, 2023. So that would make him technically eligible to serve. What is going to change? Why would the board that just was unwilling to come up with terms to allow him to regain his RO certification. What would change between now and the end of the year? Probably nothing. I mean, there will be, in the meantime, there will be a new interim area eight director appointed, presumably for the six months of the year between now and when the new term would start. If it were up to me, given that Area 8 isn't going to go to a runoff, I would probably hold off on appointing someone and just make whoever wins the election, which we will know uh, end of July, make them the, just appoint them as Area 8 and then just have them roll into that term. That way it's only a month and a half that we don't have an Area 8 director rather than having an interim for six months and then the new guy starts January 1st. That's what I would do because that seems like the best good faith outcome, which means it probably won't be what happens, but we'll see. I don't like the negative mind read. Maybe maybe that is what ends up happening. But that Area 8 director would be the only thing that would change on the board between now and the end of the the end of the year. And so I don't really understand the scenario in which Yimin Lin, if he were elected, would be reinstated by this board that doesn't like him, that voted to get rid of him already. So if that doesn't happen, if he wins the election and he doesn't get reinstated, well, then January 1st, he is considered to have resigned and boom, another presidential special election is triggered. So I, I mean, I've never been Yimin Lin's biggest fan. I don't know that I can really, 
I can really get behind voting for him just because this giant cloud hanging over his head of having to beg the board for his RO certification back, otherwise possibly triggering months more chaos, and they'd have to appoint a new vice president who would then become the new interim president. I mean, the whole thing would just be a freaking mess, and I just, I don't feel comfortable steering people in that direction. I have seen the argument made that voting for Yemen is a way of sticking it to the man and giving a middle finger to the board, and to be totally honest, I don't think the idea of a protest vote or strategic voting of that kind in a in a in a secret ballot election works. Now, like I've said before on this podcast and in in interviews, even if you in a in an open recorded roll call vote, even if you know you're going to lose 8 to 1, there's still something to be said in that non-secret ballot roll call vote for registering your disagreement. There's something to be said there. I'm not sure I really agree with with that idea in the in the case of a uh, a secret ballot vote. Now, I'm not telling you who to vote for. If you want to vote for Yemen, by all means, I'm just saying this is the way I'm looking at it. And from my perspective, even if even if, you know, he gets 50 percent of the vote on the first ballot and there's no presidential runoff, then we're still back to the situation of he has to beg the board, which is probably not going to change between now and then to give him his cert back. We'll see. But what I did want to talk about is people have been asking me, Either who am I voting for for president? Who would I recommend voting for for president? And if I were in Area 8, who would I vote for? And as far as president goes in the in the first round, without question, I personally am and have voted for Luigi Lee. Part of that is definitely personal. I've known Luigi for a while. He has he has demonstrated good character. I I believe in him. I think that he actually is is an upstanding person who wants what's best for the sport, not just his personal gain or gaining power. I, I, like, I don't think he wants to do this any more than I particularly want to be running for area director. But uh, he and I actually, you know, we, we, we are on a similar wavelength. I enjoy talking to him. He and I agree on things generally, not on everything, but every conversation I've had with him has, has been enjoyable. He's a smart guy. And again, I just, I, from my personal perspective, I have that personal relationship where I've known him for a while and I, I trust him. I think he would do a good job. I think he would stand up to the people that need standing up to. And I think he would be on board with changing things. I don't think he would just come in and try and keep all the secrecy and keep running everything for for personal benefit. I don't think he would take kickbacks from manufacturers or anything like that. I also have to say he's he's stayed active in IDPA, Steel Challenge. He has traveled more than, definitely more than any of, of the other candidates on the ballot. He has definitely traveled overseas to shoot IPSC matches, which is obviously very near and dear to my heart because I do see USPSA as being a puzzle piece that fits into the larger whole of IPSC. Now, I do think there are rules that make sense to have exceptions or variants for USPSA because the U.S. has a unique gun culture where, for example, things like open carry and concealed carry are actually a realistic thing where they aren't in most of the other countries in the world. So I I don't, you know, I'm not one of these people that says we should just throw away the USPSA rulebook and just adopt the IPSC rulebook wholesale. But I do think there are places where we can learn from them, where it makes sense to eliminate meaningless differences. Classic example, first one that comes to mind, why do we define our short courses or our medium courses now as up to 20 rounds, where an IPSC medium course is up to 24? Arbitrary. But just little things like that where what's the point of the difference except just because we're America and we want to be different? I, I don't know. 
I I appreciate that fact that that Luigi has shot internationally. He stayed active in IDPA. He he is not just a a, a one trick pony in that sense. Like I said, he is he's very analytical. I think he and I have had a lot of interesting conversations. He sees things. He he always brings a good perspective to any discussion that I've had with him. He's not just, oh, well, this is the way I feel and this is the way it should be and you know, we're going to do it my way cuz that's what feels good. He he definitely looks at things through an analytical lens, not just what feels good. And I will say as a as a personal anecdote, he is also incredibly I don't know if giving is the right word. He is incredibly self-sacrificing. The anecdote that comes to mind for this is I actually ended up splitting. So when I was, when I went down to Florida in January for the Pan American extreme match, I knew he was local. I knew he was going to be shooting the match. And so I reached out to him and said, Hey, are you organizing an Airbnb? Can I get a room? And he was like, yeah, sure. No problem. I'll get it taken care of. And so, you know, sure enough, true to his word, picks out a spot. It's great. It's got a couple bedrooms. And as wouldn't you know it, as things got closer, I think originally there was supposed to be three of us splitting this this three bedroom house. And as things got closer, guys kept hitting him up. And we'd already put the deposit down on this place. And he was just such a, a big hearted guy that when the first guy came along and said, Hey, do you have room? He was like, sure. And he he volunteered to sleep on the couch at the Airbnb that he was organizing. He could have easily just said, no, man, we're full. Sorry. But he didn't. He said, by all means, come right in, take the bed. I'll sleep on the couch. And then we actually ended up having a fifth guy stay and he slept on a cot in the <laughs> in the pantry of all places. Uh, just I mean, it was this little three bedroom Florida bung- bungalow, but we made it work. But yeah, I was I was just amazed by that. And then even after all that, he's he was uh he was apologetic to me and he was trying to give me some kind of like partial refund on what I had paid him because, you know, the house was being split five ways instead of uh, instead of three. And I was like, no, dude, you keep the money. You're getting to sleep on you're having to sleep on the couch in your own Airbnb. You keep it like I paid for a bed. I got a bed. We are square. No worries. Uh, And I actually even even with all that. Uh, on the last day of the match, I was a little bit squirrely. My, my ammo wasn't, I had some ammo that I wasn't hundred percent confident in. And so he just hands me a box of hundred rounds case gauged. And he's just like, here, man, if you need this, take it. And the way things ended up working out, I didn't end up seeing him after the match. So I'm still carrying it. I'm going to give it back to him. He's going to be up at the, he's going to be in North Carolina for the, the section match. So Luigi, if you're listening to this, I got that box of ammo for you. I didn't touch it. Uh, but it was just one of those where it was not, Hey, you know, throw me a couple bucks. Here's some ammo. It was just, Hey, Here's someone in need, take it. He he was he's very unselfish. And and I appreciate that. There's a certain generosity there that you can't fake. I mean, you just and and he had no idea any of this was coming. You know, we talked briefly about, you know, would he be interested in running for president, but he had no idea any of this was coming. He was just being a good dude to people in the sport. And are are the other are some of the other candidates in the election good dudes? Quite possibly. But I personally have that that interaction. I know Luigi. And so he's the one I'm personally voting for. That said, I don't know Vince Lucchetti at all. I've actually had never heard his name until six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, whenever he, he popped up as, as filing to run. But I will just say everything that I've heard from him has stuck out to me as something I can get on board with and, and nod my head with. He's been in the sport for 20 years. He's, he was section coordinator in Western Pennsylvania, which Pennsylvania is one of those weird states where the, the state is so large and it's kind of split. You have a lot of clubs on one side, on the, the western side, and then you have a bunch of clubs over on the, the New Jersey 
eastern side and uh so i guess they they have split into two sections and he was he was section coordinator of, of western pennsylvania uh for a couple of years he's still is listed as the assistant section coordinator i don't know exactly what that means but he's obviously still involved and but just so he's been on uh the casual shooter podcast as well as the the hit factor podcast and listening to both of those just as he was talking i was like yes this guy he's he's paying attention to the right things he's saying the right stuff i i think he and i are aligned you know if he were on the board and i were not i would still want him to advocate for these things and you know i mean just to just to name one thing that that stuck out at me was the the fact that on the hit factor podcast he was having a discussion with jeremy reed who you know is a big 1911 guy that's his whole business he he makes custom 1911s and so he has a love for that and and the history of the 45 and major power factor and the, the the legacy of that in the sport of of ipsc and uspsa and i have thoughts about that and and where that should go but i definitely appreciate the history and and the fact that we shouldn't just we shouldn't just go with whatever is easy or convenient or popular and that's actually exactly where they got to in the in the discussion as well and there was there was one section in particular that just struck me where you know Vince was saying we have to think about the values of the sport not just what is popular and it, i mean i feel like that's something i've said on this podcast i'd hope that that's a value that i've expressed and so to me hearing someone who who looks at through who looks at things through that lens it just felt like a a sort of kindred spirit somebody who thinks along the same lines uh, but at the same time he has a lot of organizational and financial experience that honestly i lack i i know that going in to be totally honest, none of the three of us Area 6 candidates have really have that. None of us have been on the board of anything, the only exception being that Matt Hopkins was previously on the board of USPSA for three or four months. Uh, so he has, you know, he has a little bit of exposure to that, but Vince has been in all kinds of city and corporate and and that kind of thing, and so he's got that perspective. And so as someone who can honestly evaluate my strengths and weaknesses— when I look at someone like Scott Arnberg, who has this financial background more developed than than my own, and you know, I look at someone like Vince, these are people that I would be happy to lean on. And so when I when I hear that and I see that, I, I think, okay, this is a guy who is aligned with what I think is good for the sport, and I would be happy to vote for him if I could. I can't, but for the people who have asked me, that's uh that's the way I would go. Vince to me, from everything that I've heard, again, you can listen to, if you're on the fence, you can listen to his uh, interview with the hit, on the Hit Factor podcast with Jeremy Reed and Jeff Coffin. You can listen to his interview on the Casual Shooters podcast. Uh, both, I think, were were interesting. Like He's just an interesting guy to listen to. They're, you know, I, I appreciated the, the stuff that he had to say. And yeah, I think he would, I think he would be good for the sport as well. So those are kind of my two ideas. I don't, if you want to vote for somebody else we can still be friends if you don't want to vote for me for area six we can still be friends uh, this is not to me this is not personal this is just this in august of last year when the board started banning people for for speech violations that was sort of the last straw and i thought i've got to at least throw my hat in and try and make a difference and you know if winning the election isn't the the path that i'm supposed to take right now that's fine i i'm not i'm not going to let it keep me up at night i will find other ways to try and make things better. But I do think we are definitely at an inflection point moment for the sport where between the finances being what they are and just the general the general reputation of USPSA I think is is 
at an inflection point. It could go either way. And I think if we, we, we still have time to turn things around, but if it's another year, two years, three years before we can start to make meaningful changes, then things may be, it may be, things may be too far gone to pull them back. So I do think this election is, is a particularly pivotal one. I think the fact that it is one of the most hotly contested in terms of total number of candidates on a ballot in years is, is very relevant. And so I, I, yeah, I, I would say if you haven't voted already, definitely take your time, read through the candidate bios, seek out interviews. I mean, I will definitely say I I found doing podcast interviews with other people, which is not something I'd really ever done before in the past. I do this kind of more produced, slow paced, single person format on my own. Doing that was required me to think on my feet more and and be more prepared. And, and I think it, in some ways, it also covers a wider swath of topics. And so Honestly, if I were, if, if, if someone were curious, like, Hey, who's this Ben Barry guy, rather than pointing them to my own podcast, which I think is sort of a deep end of the pool. If they want just a snapshot, I would point them to probably my interview, uh, probably the casual shooters podcast one or the training group live one. Um, those both stick out to me, but I, I mean, again, I think they're all, I, every single con- I don't want to short, give short change to any of them. I appreciate Manny from Manny talks shooting and have me on. I appreciate, uh, Brian from hunters HD gold. That one actually just dropped this week. Uh, that one was, that one was, uh, yeah, that was actually the only, yeah, the only one that I did in person. Uh, and it was fun. Like it was just cool just getting to hang out and, and talk. And it really, every single one of these interviews that I did, it just felt like talking to, to, to friends and, uh, you know, getting to, to just kind of hash out the issues. But, um, yeah, casual shooters podcast, Manny talks shooting bullets and bourbon with Matt Gunlock and Frank Gao, uh, raw time champ with the guys from, from Texas, Connor, Matt and Calvin, and then I ended up doing a, a two-parter with Joel Park uh, from Training Group Live. One was specifically about shooting and practicing and that sort of stuff, which was kind of cool because that's not something that I, that any of the other interviews really talked about. And then the, the second half was politics and the election. And uh, again, this is all on my website at, at barryshooting.com slash area six. If you want to point someone to resources about me, and like I said, with uh, with Vince, I know he, he did an interview with Casual Shooters and... Uh, and hit factor. And actually, now that I say that, I'm realizing I left my, so, uh, Matt Hopkins and I did a joint, uh, interview debate thing, uh, on the hit factor podcast as well. And I'll, I'll add that to my, to the list on, on my podcast page. So yeah, if, if anybody's curious about me, that's, that's sort of the one-stop shop, barryshooting.com slash area six. And I will say if we look back, you know, it's, it's hard to really, compare apples to apples because this was so long ago. But if we pull up the results of the last area six election, yeah. So this was in December of 2015 at the time they list basically 22,000 eligible members that were mailed ballots. So that's probably increased by half. So it's probably, you know, that number plus 50%. Uh, now of, of eligible voters, 33,000, probably of the 35, 36,000 members, whatever that is. But the, the area six runoff, which came down to, to two candidates was the difference of 58 votes, 549 to 607. So 58 votes swung that. If we scale that to current numbers, assuming USPSA's numbers have scaled with area six, that's 75 votes, 80 votes. So, you know, proportionally, again, assuming that the things are as evenly matched as they were, which 
who knows? Maybe that maybe that'll be the case. Maybe it won't. But the the total number of people that that voted in the 2015 Area Six election was less than 1,200, and the dividing you know the the thing that made the difference was 58 votes. And so this year it'll probably be something like 1,800, 2,000, maybe if we're sort of adjusting those numbers up by 50 percent, 60 percent. And the 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 margin very well could be 50, 75, 100 votes. And so if you feel passionate about this, if you feel like this is something that you are motivated to change, you have a whole month. So, you know, you'll basically, if you go to a monthly match anytime between now and a month from now, all your monthly matches will happen at least once. And so if you want to talk to people in your squad, talk to people before and after, just say, hey, have you looked at who you're voting for? Do you have any idea? Do you have any thoughts? And if you if they don't know anything about me, point them to that parachuting.com slash area six page. And obviously all the candidate bios for the presidential election, those are all on the USPSA website. And they did do they did like twenty to thirty minute podcasts with the each candidate, but they just read the 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 same questionnaire questions and some candidates improvise answers and some just read off their prepared answers. So I mean it's you can take those for what they're worth. It's it's not terrible listening. It's definitely somewhat condensed, but you know there there are a fair number of them. But uh, yeah, there is definitely information out there. There, this election will be decided by relatively small margins, all things considered, quite likely, uh, especially the, the the runoffs. So um, you know, don't don't take that for granted. If you can personally get one or two more people to to cast a vote, times I mean they're roughly. Each episode of this podcast gets roughly 800 downloads, 900 maybe. So that could add up. But I hate being a, a politician and telling people, rah, rah, you know, vote for me. But if everything that I've said makes sense to you, if you think that I would be a good representative for what you think would be good on in the sport going forward, I would be happy to have your vote. Well, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. My email is bennettberryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.